Did I tell you my mother tried to finagle a way to meet you the other day? Excuse me? Because <laughs> she's in New Jersey. She's in Princeton visiting Oh, that's her. not far. I that's know. 45 minutes. Less. She's like, if I was going to be there a little longer, I would have found a time to go meet Luke. Oh I was my like, God. really? Luke I would have brought a recorder. I, I would have. Oh, please. I wasn't going to let it happen. I was like, Luke and I have only met twice. You don't get to meet him. Oh, I would love that. It'll happen, I'm sure. Oh, it'd be amazing. They go there all the time. Yeah, I have a feeling that I'm going to meet your your mother way before you meet mine. Probably. I had a hard time talking my mom into go seeing my movie in Cambridge. Um, <laughs> and it was over the river. Well, and that was the big... <laughs> The dividing lines, like I don't like to go over the trail. Well, it happens, you know. I know. We actually had someone this morning, though. This made me happy. Who was concerned mm-hmm. that the link didn't work for them? Oh, so that meant they cared. Was it somebody related to us? No, it was somebody I'd never heard of before. Must have been a blue oh. friend. Oh, those are my favorite people. I know. I love those people. Yeah, I mean, because as we say on the show, there are no strangers, just friends you've yet to meet something like that even if they are 45 minutes away just over the river in their friends forever um jerome (laughs) yep i do not know jerome i don't either i think we've got a new favorite listener yes ring the bell here we go it's amazing and he um or he's really into theme parks and or erotica Oh, he actually sounds really interesting maybe we want to talk to him okay um he's Let's see. He lives in North. Ooh. Uh, Mr. Spock is his profile picture. I like it. He is a volunteer at the Civil Air Search and Rescue Association. Prior to that, he is a former census enumerator at Statistics. Prior to Why? that, he is a blackjack dealer at Casino. No- oh Prior my goodness. to that, this is- he was a quartermaster. At- and he studied commercial piloting at. I, I am a gog. I right? am. I. Uh, I. I, I have a new favorite that. listener. I know. Uh, I wish we I'm could gonna... put all that on the show without, you know, exposing his identity. Yeah. <laughs> Jerome, I think we would like to. Um... Maybe we should reach out to him. Yeah. Do you want some stickers, Jerome? Right. Oh, my friend Don sent me a picture. He lives in Minnesota. He's our one of our Minnesota listeners. I see. He sent Both us a picture of, of his sticker on his laptop. Oh, oh, he's got a sticker. Mm-hmm. That must be nice. Well, it'd be nice to. I'll give you a sticker if you give me all my t-shirts that you're hoarding. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna show up in a mini kiss shirt and my zombie shirt. And you during are. the interviews, I'm just and gonna take them gonna off. Keep, <laughs> yeah. Off. Exactly. Yes, it's exactly what's going to I know that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to look like I'm smuggling something in, and then it's just going to be every, every question I take off another layer, and it's yes. another, uh, yeah. I'm going to have to find my Ben Franklin is the hottest, you know, founding father t-shirt or something. Right, <laughs> yep. My Sealand shirt, my oh. Cozy Love Pants shirt, well, my Blob Fest. But not your actual Cozy Love Pants. Just your no, cozy no, love yeah, that'd be weird. Uh, even weirder, my Zodiac Killer one, but oh, yeah. you know, that would be good. A picture of Ted Cruz. Uh, <laughs> so. That's amazing, actually. Oh, Jerome, I might need to edit this down, but I think Jerome. I know, right? We need to find him. 
This is Why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. Can you explain what a cozy mystery is? Because it doesn't involve a caftan or a cup of tea, correct? Or am I wrong? It can very well involve a cup of tea, actually, and it is a cozy. Uh, the idea is sort of, if you think about the Agatha Christie's books and the Miss Marple, and she'd be sitting there with her knitting, and she'd be talking about her village, St. Mary Mead or whatever, and you have this very cozy, safe environment for a reader to experience murder, which if you can, you know, you can think of it, it's like, oh, this horrific thing. But they get to be, you know, in their slippers and their sweatpants and whatever, and they're reading this book and they get this armchair experience where they're actually, it's almost interactive, where they're solving the mystery along with the sleuth. And the cozy mysteries are less on the forensics end and they focus more on the mystery. So that way the the reader gets all the clues at the same time the sleuth does and they have an opportunity to solve the case. So it's, like I said, it's a very interactive feeling where they're there, they're sort of a sidekick to the sleuth and they're solving the case and there's not a lot of profanity. There's not a lot of strangely violence. The murder happens off stage and you <laughs> happen onto the murder. It's not explicitly uh, described. Mm-hmm. And then you have the clues to figure it out. So can the cl- crime be bloody? Because this is one of the things that fascinates me about the genre. You can say the crime was bloody, but you don't have to go into detail. Uh, you know, and, and so I just sort of state, oh, you know, it was just kind of a, a gross, a really gross crime scene, the sleuth might say or whatever. It's and to sort of pass by it, you know, and there's not really a need to go into it. It's kind of it's a little bit of an escape because you have this usually in the cozy mystery, you have this kind of ideal little town or village. And then you have this horrible crime that happens and in the end is completely cleaned up. And so it's really a tidy kind of experience for those of us who like tidying things up. And it's just, you know, you kind of get that whole, ah, there was a mess and now it's all fixed. Uh, Where you don't get that sometimes in life because life really isn't that tidy. So true. So how did you get involved in this? How did you pursue this for writing or pursue writing these kinds of mysteries? I mean, for me, it was because I enjoyed reading these types of mysteries. I started out, I mean, I think most mystery writers will say, oh, you know, I started out reading Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, Trixie Belden's, whatever. And then I sort of gravitated into the Agatha Christie books when I got a little older. And I was just really hooked. I was reading things like M.C. Beaton. And then one day I was writing other things. I was trying to write like YA and these other, I just wasn't really able to kind of hit my mark with it. And I thought, well, why am I not trying to write a cozy mystery? Because that's really what I'm pretty much reading all the time. They're also known as traditional mysteries. So I thought, let me just, let me try this instead. And that, that was exactly what I needed to do because I was able to write those without a whole lot of problem where I was really struggling doing um, young adult and really struggling doing romance. So sort of that right, what you know, in a way, almost. Exactly. And it's just easier because that way there's a certain pattern. I won't say it's a formula to books, but any kind of genre fiction that you have where, and readers expect it. You have these certain things that kind of happen at certain points in the book. They're sort of like milestones. And mm-hmm. when you have those, you you really have uh, the basis, the, the outline almost already there, the structure of the book. And then you just, your challenge is to make that interesting book after book while kind of following the guidelines for the genre that the readers want you to follow. How into that do you get? I know like with TV shows, they time it out to the minute with like how it was by this time, this has to have happened. Do you get down to pages where by page 45, this must have happened? 
I, I do because I did write for Penguin Random House for a while and they really wanted a body by page 30, preferably. They didn't want to yeah. have it. I mean, definitely after page 50, <laughs> they didn't want to see the first body. They wanted it before before 50, right. <laughs> um, even better. They yeah. like our death early. <laughs> Yeah, Tell them out exactly. The They're like, you know, it's a mystery. <laughs> let's have a body here. Let's let's kick it off. So I once I got into that kind of habit, then now I'm stuck, you know. So I mean, sometimes I'll open with the body, which sometimes that's a little tricky because then you really don't know the victim. So you have to, you know, kind of have this backstory that comes out when you're talking to suspects and stuff like that. Um, but it's it's a good way to kick off a book sometimes. You know, I don't like to do it all the time. But yeah, body body happens pretty pretty soon in the books. And you have a new book out yes. just yesterday. Yeah. Fit to be tried. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. I three and a half, four releases a year, or that's how many books already are. So I kind of get a little, it's a little bit wow. like a whirlwind when I when I have them. Um, and then I just I have to jump right into the next book. So um, you know, I, I don't have I need to really kind of set myself some time to celebrate or or be like, woo, <laughs> I had a book come out. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> completely. All we after, yeah. after right. Well, and we celebrate every episode. I mean, we finish recording, and there is an after party like you wouldn't I mean, believe. And that's, so. that's, that's, that's I think we, you should be doing that. It's like motivation, you know. I don't know. I just I had a glass of wine right. last night, and that was pretty much it. So I'm like, I got to work on this celebration thing. No, that, that's part of your Southern Quilting series, it the is. one that just yes. came out. Correct? I have three other series besides that one as well. Tell us a little bit about your series and how you chose, because you're, you're sort of, by doing a series, I feel you're kind of locked in a little bit to what comes out. So what made you choose the, the series you did and why? Uh, some of them were sort of chosen for me and uh, some of them I chose. Okay. Uh, the, first, the first series was the Myrtle Clover series and I came up with the concept, the octogenarian sleuth, the whole nine yards myself. And the publisher wasn't really excited about having an octogenarian sleuth. Um, so and she was like, don't you want to make her a little bit younger? I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, I kind of... I'm liking this. This is what I'm, you know, and so they didn't as yes. much. So that went for one book. And then I took my series characters rights, uh, everything back. And so I've been working on that, you know, on my own since then, but the book 13 is going to come out in just a little while. So it's going well. Wow. Um, the Southern quilting yeah. mysteries, uh, penguin got in touch with my agent and I must've been one of the only Southern writers they really knew. Uh, so my agent was like, sure, she can write that. You know, she's not a quilter, uh, but she does live in the South and she can she can write whatever you want her to write. And sure enough, I didn't have a problem with that. But they they just cared. It was set in the South. They cared about the quilting and they wanted the mystery. Uh, so that wasn't wasn't hard to deliver that. Um, I've got the Village Library Mysteries, which um, that was my own concept. And I just spend way too much time hanging out in libraries. So that was that was kind of a no brainer for me. Um, and then Memphis Barbecue, which was a write for hire, they um, asked me to audition for it, and I did, and got the gig. So, wow, those are all of them. <laughs> it's a lot. Now, it's awesome. A question you probably get asked all the time, but I feel like I have to ask it. Some writers <laughs> have to have the experience in what they're writing about. So, if you're writing about someone who quilts, you have to learn to quilt, etc. So, my question for you is: Have you ever committed murder? <laughs> 
I have thought about it so many times. I mean, honestly, when you think about murder as much as I do, and you're making Google searches all the time about how to get away with murder and great murder weapons and, you know, me- you know, motives for murder, I think it stays in your mind a lot. But I have killed off a lot of people who have annoyed me in the past. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Just in writing. So that's a good thing. What websites are your bookmarking that might not be something everybody is needing to go back to? Often. I've been pretty much using actual old-fashioned books for the most part, although there's some great cop websites where there are cops that are, uh, or former retired cops. Uh, Lee Laughlin is one of them, and he helps um, writers with all sorts of things from, you know, what what does a cop's you know, duty belt look like? What kinds of things are on the duty belt on a regular day to forensic stuffs that I don't, I don't really obviously need for my books, but it's mm-hmm. interesting to read about. Uh, but then I've got like the little book of poisons on my shelf and I've got all these poison reference books. And my, my husband, when my kids were younger, he told the kids, you know, if anything weird happens to daddy, you need to tell the police <laughs> what mom does. <laughs> Because I had this whole library of, of poisonous books um, and things like I've got a book that's also about just small town cops and how that is because everything is is different in a small town. And usually, of course, with a cozy setting, it's a small town. So, you know, when does the state police get involved or, you know, how how small is the police department? Is it just like the cop and a deputy sort of like the Andy Griffith show? Mm-hmm. Uh, you just find out all these answers to things. You want it to be realistic, even though obviously there's, you know, a point where you have to suspend your disbelief that, you know, these, this little old lady is, has found so many bodies at this point in this town, this tiny little town. Uh, but I think most people sort of the murder she wrote syndrome, you just have to overlook it. But see, I've always thought that the grand finale of murder she wrote should have been that it comes out after all these years that Jessica Fletcher was really the murder of all of them. That she, she was really, a serial killer. She was a serial killer. And I feel that this is probably something that could happen in your series as well. That would be too funny. Everybody would be like, not Myrtle. I it. know, poor little Myrtle, but she's a great mastermind. Yeah, nobody would ever guess, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, you have to, there's definitely some suspension of disbelief that happens with these with these stories. Of course, we love that though. That's why they're so beloved. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's like I said, it's a little bit of an escape. You know, you just kind of go, yeah, I can just, you know, we can look at this and kind of be a fly on the wall and solve the cases and not be in any danger ourselves whatsoever. For sure, for sure. What would be your favorite uh murder weapon of choice were you to be a one of the characters in your book let's say well a favorite in in my books are the flinging down of the stairs (laughs) it's it's very you know anybody could have really done it because the suspects have to be known to the victim that's another uh cozy mystery trope where it can't just be some random stranger you know some weird kind of a motive it's got to be somebody you know somebody really close to you you might have in your home or might be you know turning your back on um, so we we do that some uh, push people out of windows. There's a lot of blunt force injury, <laughs> blunt force trauma yes. going on, hitting people over the head with cast iron frying pans, stuff like that. Nice. Um, oh, fire extinguishers, just whatever mm. is handy because usually it's kind of a crime of passion. It's not something that's meticulously planned out because again, this is a cozy mystery. Does the series get easier to write or harder as you get more and more books in? For example, with Myrtle, you've got this great backstory. You've 
created and probably different things about her. She's evolved as a character. Yet at the same point, while coloring in that world, you're also painting yourself into various corners on things you can't do. Is it easier or harder or what happens when you get to book 15? It's it's both easier and harder, I think. I, in some ways, you know the characters so well. I always feel like um, with Myrtle Clover or Southern Quilting, um, for both of those series, the characters sort of write their own dialogue, which is really nice. I really appreciate that. Um, but at the same time, you're right. You're you're kind of writing yourself into corners. You're if you try to expand the characters at all, you've got to really keep notes on what you're doing so that the books are consistent. And, and it's tough. I have a, a story Bible that I update all the time with just little little things that I would throw away, you know, little throwaway details I'd stick in there. And I was like, okay, I've got to, I've just got to make sure I get this straight. You know, Myrtle, did she mm -hmm. smoke a long time ago? I mean, she's an octogenarian. People back in the 1950s and 40s, they were smoking like chimneys. Sure. Did she never smoke? You know, I just, it's a matter of just kind of trying to keep everything straight and also trying to keep things fresh for the readers without making things too fresh. Like if I take Myrtle on a trip, because people will be like, oh, it'll be so much fun if Myrtle goes on a cruise or something like that. And then if you actually take Myrtle on a trip, then you can't take all the characters in the town with her. Right. Uh, so sometimes they're like, okay, well, I, I thought I wanted something different, but maybe I really just wanted, <laughs> wanted the same thing, but in a fresh kind of way. So when you first decided to become an author of, of any sort, what... When you first said, this is what I'm going to do, what did you do? How did you get started? I honestly, I was not sure how I could make a living as a writer. I mean, I'm sure most writers would say that. So I kind of went the journalism route starting out, but I kept finding myself wanting to make things up all the time. And you really are not <laughs> supposed to do that if you're a journalist. It's not no, appreciated. you're not. <laughs> and I, I kept thinking, nope. you know, this interview would be so much better if this person had just said this, you know, instead of that. <laughs> and... Oh, yeah, I was just, yeah. I mean, if you could just write your own, you know, dialogue there, it would be so much better. And finally, I was like, okay, you know, because I was, I was trying to do things after work. And it was, like I said, I wasn't really going anywhere with it. But once I started writing these mysteries, it got to be a lot easier. So I finally had a finished product. And I had to query it. And that was, oh, my gosh, I don't even know how many years, probably about four years, something like that of just sending the book out to agents because that's what you're supposed to do. And I must have amassed like, I don't even know, probably 75 to a hundred different rejections from agents too. And so finally I was like, okay, I'm just going to send directly to the publisher because, you know, I'm not getting anywhere trying to get through these agents. So I sent the book out to publishers and got two bites um, from two different publishers and um, wow. which worked out really well for me. So I'm now, now like, yeah, just don't even follow the rules. Just go ahead and submit it out. <laughs> um, and it was good. I, I mean, it was one of them was a smaller publisher, uh, Midnight Inc. The other one was Penguin. Um, and so for Penguin, you know, I had already signed the contract for Midnight Inc. And I asked Penguin because obviously they're so much larger. I said, is there something that I can write for you? You know, because she had the editor had called to congratulate me on getting this series with, with Midnight Inc. And she said, Oh yeah, if you want to audition for this, this series, the Memphis series, then, you know, we'd be happy to have you on board. So that really worked out. So it's, I mean, a lot of it is a matter of luck too, I think, and just timing. How did you deal with all that rejection? How did you know to power through? 
I think honestly, I'm just a one trick pony. And that's all I can really do. So to me, it's like, I've got to write, you know, this is this is what I do. This is the one thing that I can really do. So to me, I didn't really take it personally. I, I was just like, okay, well, it's not the right story for this particular time. And I knew that the Myrtle series was a little different anyway, just because of the age of the sleuth and because it didn't have what they call a series hook, um, which Southern quilting is obviously quilting. Memphis barbecue had to do with the food. So there are these different hooks or themes that you have running in a cozy mystery that Myrtle didn't have. But it worked out to actually finally, I got an agent after I had two publishers, but uh, you know, it just, you have to be persistent uh, if you feel like, this was something that you're really meant to do. And who knows? I mean, I could still be out there sending queries and I probably still would be if I hadn't, you know, just gotten lucky those years ago. So now how long does it take you to write a book? You said you write four a year. Do you do them? Can you do two projects at once? Do you do a page limit per day? How do you? I I write, yeah, I write about uh, one book every three months, roughly, sometimes a little bit quicker than that. Uh, Occasionally, it'll take longer if it needs to be edited more. And right now, I am working on two projects at one time. And I did that earlier in the year, too. So it's probably going to be more like this year, I wrote five books, uh, which is kind of scary to think about. I, I didn't think wow. I could write two projects at once. Uh, and then I, I wanted to introduce a new series this year. And I thought, let me just see if I if I can do two books at once and not get completely messed up and confused. And I started just writing one, one of the books for one series in the morning and the other book for the other series in the afternoon. Uh, but then I realized I could write them back to back without any problems. I wasn't making any mistakes. You know, there weren't any accidental guest appearances from one series to the other. So that was that was lucky. And um, so I've been picking up and just doing it from from that point pretty easily, uh, not having a problem. But they're they're two really different series, the Village Library series and either Myrtle or Southern Quilting, either one. They're very different. So I, I don't have as much to be messed up on. Are you keeping a lot of notes? Do you? I mean, I'm assuming you have ideas all the time is do you keep notes or is it if if i see something and it's important enough to remember but like just uh, for example the ways to kill someone are you ever sitting there <laughs> writing down uh lake of alligators tickle till you can't breathe yes eating pop rocks and drinking a like, <laughs> how does that yeah those are good ideas there <laughs> you're welcome to yeah it's our parting gift. Yes, <laughs> definitely. I will, I'll have to add those to my list. And I do. I have an yeah. Evernote file that is full of all kinds of either ways of killing people, motives, um, why someone might want to kill somebody else. I mean, people will tell me things like, you know, why they're so pissed off at their neighbor or whatever. And I'm like, exactly. That's exactly the kind of stuff I want to hear because it's usually the mundane kind of reason that fits into Mm -hmm. a a cozy mystery. You know, the person who left their Christmas lights on and it's now like October, you know, (laughs) it's just the stuff that builds up over time. Um, But yeah, I definitely, I have lists of both my ideas and just ways to perpetrate crimes and, and various weapons just all over my, my computer. My computer is a real mess. Hopefully the FBI is not paying any attention at all to real crimes. Yeah. How do you keep track during the day? Do you do by time limit, by page count? How do you know I've got that day's worth of work done on this series? It's going to sound not very much, but if I can get 750 words for one book and then 750 for the other, then I've, I've definitely hit the minimum there um, for mm-hmm. staying on track. 
Uh, some days I go way over. I mean, I think today I was at maybe 1400 words per book uh, this morning. And I get up really early, like before anybody else does 430 or five. And, you know, if you get your stuff done first thing, then anything else that you can accomplish in the day is just gravy on top of that. You know, you've already put in the work that you absolutely had to, because as you know, if you work from home, it's like you can get completely, completely knocked off, you know, your whole target and focus. Oh yeah. <laughs> you can be, you know, the dog gets sick or, you know, there's yep. a kid with a problem or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. That's an insane. And it's what each book is probably what 200, 250 pages. So you're turning out all, a thousand pages or over a year. That's impressive for, anybody yeah. i mean that's that's a lot of writing do you revise a lot or fortunately you, no. what you get is kind of what you have yeah I, really? I usually don't have to i have an outline that i that i follow and i didn't used to do that but then i i started screwing up so badly that you know i would i would come to the end of the book and be like oh no this couldn't possibly have happened because of whatever the plot hole was so I, I just immediately said, okay, got to got to start outlining. I don't enjoy outlining at all, um, but it makes me go so much faster. And the revision is really, I mean, I might spend a few days, you know, a couple of hours each day revising, maybe. Um, now for the new mm -hmm. series, I revised a lot and I actually brought in an extra editor that I usually work with just one editor, but I brought in an extra one just to kind of advise me to make sure I was going in the right direction because I hadn't started a new series for a really long time. I mean, really it's been probably like eight or nine years since I had started one because these are such long running series. Uh, so I was a little right. nervous about it, but aside from that, I usually don't spend very much time revising, which is, it's just, you know, just, I've gotten so used to it. I think I've just in a kind of in a holding pattern with, with how I do it. It's awesome. Why do you think people in general are fascinated with crime? Not just with cozy mysteries, but with crime stories in general. I think there's an element of, you know, just kind of when you drive by a, a wreck or something on the highway, you don't want to look, but it's like, oh my gosh, what's going on over there? You know, and you're just it's sort of like, I don't know, you're maybe just glad it's not happening to you. Um, or you have this sort of, I think people have sort of pre-interests that they look, you know, they want to, they want to find out this other side of life, this, this kind of bad dark side but they don't want to be personally involved in it but they want to kind of witness it they want to see what's going on and that's for all mysteries obviously right. um, mystery is entails so much you've got thrillers and police procedurals and cozy mysteries and paranormal mysteries and i think everybody's just really interested in seeing this other side of life this really dark side where they can be safe and they can look from a safe distance and see this this other stuff going on that you know goes on out there but usually doesn't have any kind of you know connection to our own lives to find every single one of elizabeth's books to find out what she's up to next and to read her blog which is a great resource for writers go to elizabethspancraig.com. She's also on Twitter at Elizabeth S. Craig. Be sure to follow Why the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check out our YouTube channel for some additional great Why content. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Today's show was produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. Our intern is Randy Jeanette. 
The theme song was performed by the Electrosyntheno Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home.